Hey, if you'll just uh, remember that at the end of the sermon, I have some announcements I want to make. So just if we can even make sure the live stream stays on for a few minutes after the sermon. Uh, I have a mental picture for these sermons, and I don't know that I initially started with the, the mental picture, but uh, at times um, this is what's in my mind. Um, and it is of a road, and um, when we talk about a reason to believe, we, we start down a road, and the road has uh, a logical progression of ideas. Uh, one, you kind of get one, and then it moves you to the next step, and you, you keep going down that road. And so there's a logical progression of ideas here. Um, whether you realize it or not. Um, and one step leads to the next. And so we started talking about uh, the existence of God. Do we have reason to believe that there is a God? And, and when, we, when we come to the place to answer that question, it starts us down a road, is, is what I'm saying. There's a, there's a progression of thought there that leads us to the next thing and the question is then is that God our creator or do we believe that it's just some random process uh, that got us to where we are and do we have reason to believe that God is a creator a personal loving God that created the world uh, for us to live in as human beings and in turn to live in relationship with him and then Really, the third progression that we've come to, the third idea or step, is if, if we believe there is a God, have reason to believe there is a God, and that he is a creator that designed us to have a relationship with him, do we have reason to believe that he accurately and reliably recorded his activity and his thoughts and his words in a book? Do, do we believe that the Bible then is uh, historically verifiable and reliable. Um, now, get me on this. Uh, we chose to take a road. But if we back up to where we started and talked about the existence of God, there is another road. If... if if we had answered the first question that we do not have reason to believe there is a God, we would have started down another road. And I've kind of implied this, but I want you to understand this. That road would have said then, when we came to the issue of where do we come from, what is our origin, we would have had to reasonably conclude if there is no God, then uh, we are a product of a random, mindless, purposeless process that got us to where we are. Now, I don't believe that's true. But I'm saying if you start and you say there is no God, the next rational step is that there's really no reason that we are here. And therefore, our existence has no meaning and no morality. And let me just tell you, 
that would have been a short sermon series because when you go down that road, when you get to that point, you reach a dead end. No, that's it. If there is no God, then we are simply here by chance and there is no meaning and morality and that road dead ends. That's it. That's all there is. Um, but if in that first one you say there is a God, it leads you to the rational next step that says that God must be our creator. And then it leads you, if God is our creator, then we have to believe that the Bible is an accurate record of his interaction and what he has spoken in human history. Now, I'm just saying there's a road. There's actually two roads. We chose to go down one road. Uh, and in the midst of these sermons, I've told some stories of some people who have traveled down that road. So we had our four guys, and then last Sunday we had Sam Saunders. I say all that, that first five minutes, uh, to say this. When we come to this point in the road, there is a person who is standing in the middle of the road. That's what I see. We started, there is a God who is our creator, who gave us the Bible. And I'm telling you the logical progression of where we come to today, there is a person standing in the road. And, and, and the picture I get is he's standing, he is standing in the middle of the road, which denotes we have to deal with him. We, we can't get around him. There's a man standing in the middle of the road. And that person or that man is Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, it is the logical progression of thought. If there is a God who is our creator and has given us the Bible, when we look to the Bible, we are confronted by one person, and that is Jesus. And we cannot dismiss him. We have to deal with him. And so I'm telling you today that the rest of this sermon series will relate to that person who is standing in the middle of the road. Now, if you come to this place and you don't want to deal with Jesus, the only recourse is to go back all the way to the beginning and to take the other road. It, I'm going to contend this morning that's the, your only option. You will be left rationally, philosophically, with the choice. You've got to go all the way back. And then, therefore, if, you, if you're not going to deal with Jesus in the middle of the road, then you've got to come to the place that says, then I don't believe there's a God. I'm here by a random process of evolution and there is no meaning and morality in my life and life is a dead end. But if you've gone down this road, I believe, and I'm going to contend for this today and I'm just going to set up the rest of the sermons that I will have about Jesus.
you cannot dismiss him. And I'm, I'm going to give you seven reasons why we, you can't dismiss him. The question philosophically today is, is Jesus unique among religious leaders? Uh, and in turn, is Christianity distinct from the other world religions? Do I have a reason to believe that there's a person in the middle of the road that we must deal with and that person is Jesus? The question is, why isn't it Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, Joseph Smith, somebody else? Do we have a rational reason to believe that it's Jesus that we have to deal with uh, at this point going down the, uh, the road? The other side's worldview would raise the objections at this time uh, that would say, well, here are the objections. That all religions are basically, uh, are basically teaching the same thing. And so each is equally valid and nobody has uh, a, a corner on the market of truth. But each brings its own aspect of truth. In fact, it would be arrogant to insist that any one religion has exclusive truth. That would be the other worldview's objections at this point. They might even say, they would object and say, well, Jesus is no different than any of the other religious leaders. He was a great teacher. Actually, some would, would try to dismiss that Jesus was a historical person at all. But those are quite honestly extreme people at this point. Uh, but would contend that Jesus was a good teacher, a wise prophet, but not necessarily historical. For sure, not historical as the Bible betrays him. Now, think with me about world religions. Let me give you some percentages if any of you are numbers people. Uh, 31%, uh, these are, Google these, I don't know, you can find there's some difference of numbers a little bit, but basically this is what I found. 31% of people in the world are uh, Christian, claim to be Christian, all kinds of Christians. 24% uh, claim to be Muslim. Uh, interestingly enough, the third group, percentage-wise, 16% of the world claim to be atheist. It's interesting. 15% uh, of the world uh, worship in the Hindu religion. 7% are Buddhist. I created my own little category next. <laughs> uh, those that practice spiritism, I don't know. This may not be accurate. I think about 5%. I looked at those categories and I thought those are all people that worship spirits. And we, we deal with this in Africa. Uh, the only other world religion that I'm going to mention, and there's others, I don't, know what the, I don't know what the total, there's a few percentage points left. So we've caught 
we've probably got about 98% of the world. The only other world religion that I would mention at this point is Judaism. What percentage of the world are Jews? 0.01%. Uh, Starla, uh, okay, you've got 100%. That's one out of 100, and you've got 0.01. I think that's one in 10,000. I think you've got four zeros in there. You put the one. I think it's one of 10,000 people, 0.01%. If I'm not right, Starla, just keep your mathematical opinion to yourself. Uh, I think that's right. I may be off one decimal place. Um, I initially want to say that uh, I want to answer the objection first that all religions basically teach the same thing. That is not true. There There are irreconcilable differences in the world religions and it is naively simplistic to throw a blanket statement over that says, oh, well, they all basically t- teach the same thing. They don't even have the same gods. Buddhism doesn't even have a god. There is no god in Buddhism. Uh, there is just trying to reach nirvana by eliminating all desires in your life. Even in Hinduism, there are, there are a multitude of little gods um, but Hinduism only believes in this ultimate reality that you're trying to achieve in a s- series of reincarnations to make you ultimately a- at one with this ultimate reality. There's not a sense of a personal God. And so really you come down to Christianity, Islam, and Judaism that have this idea of a God one singular God the reality is is all those religions can't be right you can't just gloss over it and say oh well all religions kind of teach the same it's not true so philosophically rationally you have to say either one of them is true or none of them are true but to say all of them are sort of true is not philosophically uh, rational my contention today is that Jesus cannot be dismissed that he must be dealt with. I think Jesus implies this in his own words. In uh, Matthew 10, 34, he says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. I will contend today that Jesus is a polarizing figure that we must deal with. He cannot be dismissed. Um... And he becomes a dividing line. What do you do with Jesus? I believe there's rational reasons to believe that. I want to make seven general observations today of why I believe that Jesus cannot be dismissed and that Jesus is unique among religious leaders and therefore Christianity is distinct from the other other world religions Uh, first and and these are just general observations and you're gonna say well that preacher that doesn't prove it that's fine I said I'm making some general observations okay 
just throwing out some things. It's like, oh, here's some things that would tend to say that yeah, Jesus is different than anybody else. The first one is, there are more Christians than any other world religion. <laughs> we got 31%. What do you got? Just, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But if you're dealing with one figure standing in the middle of the road, why don't you deal with the figure that more people follow than anybody else, okay? So there are more Christians than any other religion worldwide. In fact, it's, to go along with that, it is interesting that Christianity tends to transcend culture across the world like no other world religion. If you take Hinduism, where are the vast majority of Hindus in the world? India. In fact, I was always told one in seven people in the world live in India, and Hinduism's at 15%. Starlin, that's like, mm. no, almost all of them live in India. Uh, they don't tend to transcend culture around the world. Same would be true in, in some respects to Islam and Buddhism. Uh, but the one religion that tends to transcend culture so that you see them across the world would be Christianity and not just North America, but even the Far East and Africa, Europe, South America, North America. Secondly, Jesus evokes a reaction like none of the other religious leaders. I, I, this, is just, this is just a general statement. And this is anecdotal, I guess you would say. There's a reaction when you say, Jesus. We know this in life. I've said this from the pulpit. You can talk to somebody about God, and it's a pretty chilled conversation. You throw out the name Jesus in the midst of that, there is, no, there's a reaction. There's something different about Jesus. I would contend, secondly, that Jesus evokes a reaction like none of the other religious leaders. And interestingly enough, all the other world religions make a theological statement about Jesus. <laughs> it's as if they, well, we have to have a statement. You can't just dismiss him. All the other world religions, it's true in Islam. I would say it's true in atheism. There has to be some explanation. Well, what do you do with Jesus? Hinduism, Buddhism. Um... They each make a theological statement about Jesus. The other thing I would say at this point is that Christianity is attacked like no other world religion. I don't know. Maybe that's a little subjective on my part. Maybe it's because I'm a Christian. But I, and maybe it's only in America that I sense this. It's like there is an attack on Christianity that there is not on Islam, atheism, Hinduism, or Buddhism. Hmm. 
I would contend that Jesus is a polarizing figure. You cannot just dismiss him. He evokes a reaction like no other world uh, religion's leader. Just an observation. Thirdly, I would contend that Jesus is different because it's not just what he taught, it was what he did. And so the people that try to explain Jesus away outside of a Christian worldview would say, well, no, he, he, was, he was probably a really good moral teacher. And quite honestly, you can take Islam and you can eliminate Muhammad and you can still have the teaching of Islam without Muhammad. The same is true in, well, Hinduism, yeah, Buddhism, even in Judaism. You could take the teaching and eliminate, say, Moses or Abraham. Christianity hinges on Jesus like no other world religion because it wasn't just what Jesus taught. And so the other worldview tries to just say, well, all these are religious leaders that teach us a little bit about God and we just take each one of them at their word. But Christianity is not just about the teaching of Jesus. It was what Jesus did. And what did he do? No, in, in Christian theology, what is central was that Jesus died for our sins and that he was raised from the dead and he's ascended and he's at the right hand of God we're going to have to come back to this but I'm saying Jesus just, just a general observation is different than the other world religions because of what he not only taught but what he did Christianity is the only religion that would teach grace. And what I mean by that, every other world religion, yeah, you can kind of say, well, they all have a moral code and a religious practice. And if you do those things, then you get to wherever you're supposed to get to, whether that's paradise or nirvana or, I don't know, extinction. I don't know where you're going. Only Christianity teaches that it's not about the moral code. It's that God came in the flesh and died for your sins to make you have the ability to be in God's presence. It's a, it's a little different. It's a little different. Fourthly, uh, I like this point. Uh, Christianity has counterfeit cults like no other world religion. I don't know, that's just something I'm thinking about. I, I, I think it's kind of true. I don't know, maybe check me on that. But it's like, Christianity has these counterfeit cults that say, no, we want to uh, appear to be Christian, but we're going to alter it to make it say what we want it to say. And so you have Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, uh, the Latter-day Saints and these kind of groups. And it's like, why do you want to counterfeit Christianity? Why don't you, if you just want to have a religion, just go do your little religion thing. But why do you want to imply that you're a Christian when you're not? I don't know. Just philosophically, I have this idea. Why would you counterfeit something that wasn't true? Huh. I don't know. 
I'm not saying this proves Christianity is true, but I'm saying uh, it's a general observation from your pastor. It's like, why would you counterfeit something that's not true? So Christianity has counterfeit cults like no other world religion. Number five, only Jesus taught a personal God of love. Just a general observation. Doesn't prove Christianity. But people would say, well, I believe God is a God of love. Oh, that's interesting. Because the one I follow is the only world religion leader that ever taught that. Really? Yeah, that's true. Number six, arguably, arguably, whoo, man, why did God ever call me to be a preacher? Why do I type out words on my sheet that I can't even pronounce? You could argue, arguably, <laughs> Jesus had a greater impact on civilization than any other person in human history. I think you could argue that. Who? Who, who else? What other, what other individual that has ever walked this earth had a greater impact on civilization than Jesus? I, th I think you could argue. So doesn't that kind of denote that Jesus, he's the man in the road that, no, you've got to deal with. Because he had a greater impact on the world than anybody else. Number seven. Jeremy, hang with me here because I know you're looking at, you're thinking, oh, he's got half his notes left. He, just, he, was, just, he was just warming y'all up with six to get to number seven. I'm going to have to buzz through this. Jesus is the only, this is number seven in my final one. General observations, just to set up the rest of the sermons about Jesus. Why we, ha we cannot dismiss him. Why we cannot drive off in the bar ditch and get around him. No, no, we got to deal with him. Got to deal with the man on the road. He can't be dismissed. The seventh, and I think the most compelling, is Jesus is the only world religion leader that was ever prophesied of. There were prophecies of Jesus that he fulfilled. And obviously we find these in the Old Testament that were written hundreds, if not a thousand years, two thousand years before Jesus ever walked the earth. There are four to five dozen specific prophecies of the Jewish Messiah. It's interesting, and I just saw this in something I read. There have been 40 people who have claimed to be the Jewish Messiah throughout history. I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate or it's got to be somewhere in the ballpark. The question is, which one of those fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament that are specific about who he would be. You're going to be amazed by this. None of them other than one. Jesus of Nazareth. And it's kind of like, how do we know he's unique? Well, we believe the Bible is true and he fulfilled all those prophecies of the Messiah that were Hundreds, if not a thousand or more years before him. Uh, Jesus says this. I'm going to have to rush through this pretty quick. Um, 
I'll talk about this on my devotional maybe this week. But uh, Jesus says after his resurrection in Luke 24, 44, to his disciples, he said, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. What an audacious statement. And there's other statements like that. We'll probably talk about them later. But think about some of those prophecies just quickly. He had to fulfill the prophecies of the ancestry. He had to be a descendant of Abraham. But not just Abraham, because Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. He had to be a descendant of Isaac. And Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. He couldn't have been a descendant of either one of those. He had to be a descendant of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, become the 12 tribes of Israel. He had to come from the one tribe of Judah. Even among Judah, he had to be a part, he had to come from one family within Judah's tribe, Jesse, so that he could be a descendant of David. Well, that, whoop, historically, whoop, you've really narrowed down the, um, the possibilities here, just when you get to that. According to Isaiah, he had to be born of a virgin. Check. Had to be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. Check. He had to be preceded by an Elijah figure, John the Baptist, from Isaiah 40. Check. His ministry would be in Galilee, Isaiah 9. He would teach in parables, Psalm 78. He would go into the temple, Malachi 3. Well, what, what, no, guess, guess, guess what I'm saying? The temple had to be standing. Because the messianic figure would come to the temple. And the temple, well, since 70 AD, doesn't even stand. How do you have a Messiah who comes in the temple and the temple doesn't exist? So there's only been times in history that the temple was actually standing. He had to ride to the temple on a donkey, according to Zechariah. He, he would be betrayed by one of his followers who would take 30 pieces of silver to betray him in Zechariah eleven twelve, He would be silent before his accusers, Isaiah 53. He would be forsaken by his followers, Zechariah 13, 7. He would die in a certain year. I wish I had time. I'm going to, we're not going to do this. <laughs> According to Daniel's 70 weeks in Daniel 9, from the time that the order was given to rebuild Jerusalem, until the Messiah is cut off would be 69 weeks of years, which would be 483 years. You do the math. No, he had to die in a certain year. Boy, we're really getting narrow here with people that fulfill these prophecies. He would be beaten, Isaiah 53. He would be mocked, Isaiah 22. His garments would be gambled, for Psalm 22 his hands and his feet would be pierced from Psalm 22 at a time when crucifixion hadn't even been invented yet a thousand years before his hands and feet would be pierced his side would be pierced Zechariah 
He would be resurrected from the dead, Psalm 16. He would be buried with the wealthy, Isaiah 53. Maybe it's a coincidence. The odds are astronomically impossible that anyone other than Jesus of Nazareth could have fulfilled these prophecies. Maybe Jesus engineered these. Maybe he lived. Well, that sounds good until it, you know, it's kind of hard to dictate who you're born to and where you're born. And quite honestly, it's kind of hard to dictate how people brutally kill you. I know that sounds bad. I'm sorry. That was, that was my sarcasm. That didn't have anything to do with Jesus. That had everything to do with Daryl Smith's smart aleck. Sorry. No, it's just... You can't engineer these things. They were out of his control. Maybe they were fabricated by his followers. No, they're historically verified. I believe we have a reason to believe that there is one person of all the world religions that we must deal with that stands in the middle of the road and it's Jesus and so we'll spend the rest of our time uh, to get us to Easter uh, to answer the question is it reasonable that Jesus really was who he said he was you are going to be blown away by what he said about himself.